Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 224 of the Read Aloud Revival. This is the show that helps your kids fall in love with books and helps you fall in love with homeschooling. And today we're going to talk about books and homeschooling. (laughs) Specifically, I want to share a conversation I had with my friend and colleague, Cindy West. Many of you know Cindy. She's the teacher over at No Sweat Nature Study. That's a homeschool nature study program that takes basically all of the guesswork and all of the work out of nature study. She teaches your kids directly. My own 11 and nine-year-old, my 11-year-old and nine-year-old twins love it. She also hosts the No Sweat Nature Study podcast, which is my kids' favorite podcast. So if you haven't heard it yet, search for it wherever you listen to the Read Aloud Revival. I bet you'll enjoy it. Those are really short, fabulous to listen to to start your homeschool day, maybe at breakfast or while you're in the car on the way to the grocery store or co-op or wherever you are heading off to. Cindy and I recently had a conversation for her community all about how to use picture books to teach nature study. Nature study kind of has a name for itself in the homeschooling world. If you've been homeschooling for long, you've heard the phrase nature study. Um, We've sort of built it up in our world as the supreme science activity, and I think it should be. I think it deserves that, right? Getting out in nature, observing and learning about the world around us, all wonderful. But sometimes... We homeschool mamas make things a bit harder on ourselves than they need to be. At least I do. I'm raising my hand. Anyone else? (laughs) Sometimes we're also in a season where going out and about to do nature study just isn't in the cards for us, right? Maybe you have a new baby. Maybe there's an illness in the house, weather. Gosh, there are lots of reasons why you might need or want to do some of your nature study or a lot of your nature study for a season on a cozy couch or at the kitchen table. So today, Cindy and I are going to talk about that very thing, how to do it. We're going to recommend some books because that's what we do here. (laughs) Actually, here at Read Aloud Revival, we recently released a brand new book list that pairs 48 fabulous nature-based picture books with simple activities for your kids. You can actually get it for free by going to the show notes for today's episode, readaloudrevival.com slash 224, since this is episode 224. (laughs) Or you can text the word nature to 33777, and I will send you that book list and activity guide. For now, though, listen in as Cindy and I talk about teaching nature study through picture books. Hey, everybody. It is Cindy West from OurJourneyWestward.com and No Sweat Nature Study Live. And I am so glad to be here with Miss Sarah McKenzie today. Um, We're going to be talking about picture books and nature study. I know that's no surprise if you know both of us. So um, I just thought that I would let Miss Sarah, tell a little bit about herself, just in case you don't know her. And then we're going to talk about some really cool picture book and nature study connections. All right, Sarah, tell us about yourself. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Cindy. I love, love, love chatting with you. Uh, So I'm Sarah McKenzie, and I run the Read Aloud Revival, which is a podcast and an online community where we are super focused on helping kids fall in love with books and helping moms fall in love with homeschooling. And picture books are my love language. I just love so much the beautiful, the marriage of a beautiful text and really exquisite 
illustrations to tell a story and really enliven our imagination. So I'm excited to talk about this today with you. I'm also, I should mention uh, the homeschooling bit, <laughs> uh, that my husband Andrew and I have been married for 21 years and we have six kids who we've homeschooled since they've been in school, since the beginning. Um, and we've got two that are graduates, one that's about to graduate, and three still at home who are nine, nine, and 10. So we're still, you know, we've been at it for a while, but we're still really in it. <laughs> You, you are still really in it, and I love being in it. So I guess maybe I'll tell a little bit about myself in case there are some people who don't know. Um, I've been homeschooling for 21 years. I don't know. I've kind of lost count at this point. Yeah. I've yeah. also graduated um, two of mine, and then I have a 10th grader. And I tell you, I'm looking forward in some ways to having less on my plate, but I'm going to miss this like crazy. Homeschooling is not easy. It's not always um, for the faint of heart, but it is so worth it. I can turn around on this end and I can say, oh, I almost wish that I had more to keep doing this because it's been such an amazing experience. Um, and so you and I have worked together plenty of times on projects that have to do with literature and nature study because they meld so beautifully together. Um, but the whole main reason, besides talking about some books in nature study that we're here, is for a little celebration of sorts, too, because you guys, Sarah has um, a brand new book coming soon called A Little More Beautiful, The Secret of a Garden. Did I get that? Story of a Garden. The Story of a Garden. And so I would love if you'll just tell us a little bit about that story, and then we will go right into our nature study conversation. Yes. And you can see a little peek at some of the original artwork for the book behind me, illustrated by Breezy Brookshire, who was homeschooled herself, which is very fun, a fun connection there. Uh, the picture book is about a woman named Lou Alice, who you might notice this little nod to Miss Rumpheus, if you are familiar with the picture book, Miss Rumpheus, who leaves each day more beautiful than she found it. And one day she is taken from her cottage to a new home, a nursing home. And nobody really notices that she's gone, even though she's done all of these invisible tasks, making the world beautiful for everyone else during all this time, except for a little girl. And this little girl realizes that she's going to take up the work of Lou Alice, but it's not quite enough just to take up the work of those who've gone before her. She has to do something herself to make the world more beautiful. And so it's a story of gardens and friendship and uh, and carrying on beautiful traditions before us while also like figuring out what is the beautiful thing we were put here on the world in the world to do. And one of the nature connections I love so much about the book is that Breezy did quite a bit of research to make sure that all of the flowers that she portrays in the book would be in bloom at the same time. She didn't want to accidentally have like, you know, tulips blooming at the same time as um, something that wasn't bloom with tulips, which my, now my brain is not thinking of anything. Um, she wants to make sure that she had like all the different kind of flowers that were blooming were actually what you could find in a garden. So there's, there's, and then they're also not just flowers, like <laughs> they're real flowers. So that's yeah. kind of fun. So you can go through with the book and figure out which flowers are which and name them and find out which they are, not just that they're like a pink random flower with I love that. Oh, I love that. And so the way that, or the reason I guess I should say that I'm so excited about this book is because it makes such a perfect companion to 
nature study. Mm. I have a lot of books on my shelf that make those connections and it's for a good reason. And I can't wait until this one is ready and in my little hands because I'm going to keep it on my shelf forever. I'm so, so excited about this book. So let's just talk about, you kind of gave a great example of how you can take a picture book and it can be so enjoyable. It can also have other themes besides simply nature study. Mm -hmm. And we can use that book. We call it living literature in the Charlotte Mason inspired world. Books that just draw you in. They are, they're so full of goodness and character, um, good character qualities, first off, or evil ones, I guess I could say, but that's not exactly the point I was trying to make. Character development is where I was yeah. trying to go with that. So you've got great character development, great plot development, um, great settings, and then you ha can have connections to all kinds of things. So we can have connections to math or science in other ways, the nature study, um, geography, things like that. And so your book is going to be an awesome one to be able to just read and get all of the wonderful benefits of it. And yet it can spark a nature walk into yeah. a garden or into a field of wildflowers that really helps your children to start thinking about flowers, noticing flowers, observing flowers, identifying flowers, like you said, identifying either in the book the actual picture book, or identifying outdoors. And so lots and lots of great literature can do that. And there's a difference, you guys, between great literature, like this book of Sarah's, and then what we call twaddle, which are books that are um, less inspiring, is a good way to put that. So um, before we jump into, I want to ask you a read aloud question. Yeah. We obviously could use any picture book to read before a nature study, during a nature study, or even after a nature study. So we can use one to kind of prompt some excitement about a topic. We could be outdoors knowing we're going to look for flowers today and take this book in a blanket and sit and read the book amongst some flowers. Or we could find flowers on a nature walk and then we could go, oh, we know a book that makes some flower connections and we could read it after. But I want to talk about, from your perspective, children don't have to read aloud books. Mm -hmm. What is a positivity for sitting around together as a family and reading aloud from picture books? There's a couple things that come to mind right away for me because I think there is a different experience with a book, whether you're picking up, up, up a book as a child and reading it yourself or as an adult and reading it yourself or you're sharing it with other family members. One of the first things that comes to mind from the academic perspective is just that every time we read aloud, we're giving our kids these grammatically correct, sophisticated language patterns that they don't get anywhere else. So even when we are speaking with our kids around the dinner table, we're not using proper grammar or sophisticated language patterns because nobody speaks that way. Um, yes. That's just not how it works. But even when our kids are reading on their own, um, especially if they're good readers, they're probably skipping things. This is why if I was to hand you, Cindy, like a page from Little House in the Big Woods and you were to read it silently to yourself, you could read it a lot faster than if I read it to you. Because when we're reading to ourselves silently, we're skipping all those little connector words and articles and um, 
we're just that's what that's the way our brains work and that's good but that means that the whole sentence structure isn't really being stored in our kids brains unless they hear it through the ear so there is a right. benefit to them hearing each word in order through their ear and then another thing that really jumps out at me is just the connection because when we share a story we are you know, rooting it for the character. We're holding our breath at the same moment. We're worried about the whatever's bad might happen, whatever obstacle they're facing. And it really is a, there's a connective power that while reading alone is a beautiful, wonderful experience, reading together is a whole nother kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And so they both have uh, benefits, but in our schools, especially in our homeschools, I mean, when we're wanting to connect with our kids and also wanting them to get really good language skills. Reading aloud has an edge. I think it has a little bit of a superior edge there. It gives a little extra oomph. <laughs> For sure. And you know, you guys, that translates into future writing as well. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And one thing I, I don't think you mentioned was just the articulation, the emotion that we are able as parents or whoever's reading aloud to bring out as we read also translates into writing skills later. Yeah. And reading skills, when they are reading alone, they begin to really hear the context of somebody's um, emotions or uh, how they're speaking something. Are they asking a question? You've got that intonation that they might not have other, uh, otherwise learned if they hadn't heard someone else read aloud with all of that inflection. Um, and, you know, audiobooks can really help with that, too. So if you're a parent who struggles with knowing how to do that, listen to some audiobooks. Get yourself used to hearing that, and then you will naturally begin to read aloud a little more with intonation as well. And that keeps I have up a funny story about that, Cindy. My 10-year-old listens to audiobooks like nobody's business over and over again, too. There's some, that, like the Ramona Quimby series she could recite lots of long passages from there just because she's it. listened to it so many times. She was also, she is also pretty dyslexic and was a very late reader. But when she's reading aloud now, um, she went from like barely being able to sound out words to when she's now able to read, she can read out loud with a lot of inflection and pacing and cadence. And I think it's just all that oral language that she heard over years of listening to audiobooks and read alouds that then when she sees the words on a page, she can, she knows how to deliver it because she's heard it so many times before. It's not brand new. It's familiar territory. She probably doesn't just know how to deliver it. That really probably helps with the dyslexia, honestly, being able to fill in gaps of, okay, that didn't make sense when I read, when I read it, but yes. I have heard sentence structure so much that I know I need to go back and recheck that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, some awesome, awesome connections to all kinds of things for yeah. reading aloud. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get right to it. Besides a little more beautiful, you and I have both brought just a few because we could have together probably <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks of yeah. books that would make fantastic connections to literature. I mean, con fantastic connections to nature study that are also good literature. So that yeah. living literature versus the opposite, which I call twaddle. Um, so I'll go first with one. We'll just go back and forth. And um, again, you guys, I literally, I don't even know if I picked my favorites because I just was at my shelf picking, but I know for sure that this one is 
probably one of my top, top, top favorites ever. Yes. yes. So this is the raft by Jim LaMarche. And it's just a very simple story about a little boy who kind of unwillingly visits his grandma. He thinks his summer's going to be so, so boring because she lives out in the woods and it turns out to not be boring. Let's just put it that way. And so the connections you can make from this book are uh, connections to kiddos who don't necessarily love the idea of nature study. And yet they can watch this little boy discover that nature is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you can make connections to creeks, to any animal that lives in a woodland area, particularly near water. Um, not just creeks, ponds would work too. Maybe even, I think probably rivers as well. Um, you could even make some connections to nature study safety because this little boy is allowed to go out and do a lot of things alone at a creek. I wouldn't have allowed my children to do that. For sure, so no. We definitely <laughs> had some conversations about nature study safety. Um, so it's a fantastic book. Like I've mentioned, you can read these before, during, or after nature walks for inspiration or connection points or whatever. And P.S., you don't even have to go on nature walks. So let's mention that really quickly. Yeah. Nature study doesn't have to be outdoors. I know a lot of people would probably want to shoot me down for saying that. Um, but there are there are a greater number of us who are like, wait, really? Tell me more. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because I know there people either have time constraints or um, allergies. Or they really can't stand the thought of being out when it's too hot or when it's too cold. Or they literally live in the middle of a concrete jungle and they're like, oh, visiting a creek? Well, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, so you can do a kitchen table nature study or cozy couch nature study. Um, of course, over at OurJourneyWestward.com, there's tons of curriculum for you to choose from. I can even teach your kids nature study and you can have nothing to do with it if you don't want um, through No Sweat Nature Study live video classes. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I just wanted to encourage you that this same book could be read to prompt a discussion about nature or to further study, let's say, a blue heron through yeah. field guides or YouTube videos or something like that. Okay. Well, what I was thinking of as you were holding up the raft is because my kids do your no sweat nature study and we love it. And one of the things I love about what you do there is you have a reference picture that they can use. Uh, you call it a specimen that they can yes. use to, you know, to look at. And so when I was first trying to do nature study with my older kids when they were younger, in my mind, I was like, we're going to do nature study about, you know, we're going to go see the ducks down at the river, let's say. And then I'm like, we're going to bring our sketchbooks and we're going to sit outside. But we live in the Northwest and it's always wet. And so like sitting down outside with our nature study notebooks that are now getting kind of like damp and crinkled. And then the ducks never sit still. So the kids would say, how am I supposed to draw it if it won't sit still? And I'm thinking the exact same thing. So this idea of being able to, yes, we'll go down and see the ducks and we'll talk about them. But being able to do our actual nature journaling at the table with like a book, like the raft sitting in front of you where you're looking at different pictures of the heron and you get to choose which one you want to try and copy, which is also, I mean, there's so many good things they're learning there and it really brings things down to a manageable, a manageable place, especially if, like you said, going out in nature is either difficult because your location or your season. I mean, when I had new babies, the last thing I wanted yeah. to do was cart everybody up and try and go do a nature walk when I really needed just a nap. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then one other thing at the table, 
you actually can promote a little bit better nature journaling um, artistic skill. Ah, yeah. Because when you're on the go, even though I really do promote getting outdoors and nature journaling when you can, you can actually focus a little bit more on the skill level of your um, nature journal page when you're at a table. So anyway, okay, your turn. Okay, so I'm excited to show you this one. This one is brand new. Um, It's less than a year old, let's say. Um, It's set called Of Walden Pond, Henry David Thoreau, Frederick Tudor, and the Pond Between. And it's a picture book biography that tells two stories, one of Henry David Thoreau, one of Frederick Tudor, both their interaction over Walden Pond. And my family just took a trip to the Boston area last year and we got to visit Walden Pond. So I was very excited to show my kids this book. I'm like, remember when we went here, which does not feel like a pond, by the way. It's a lake. I don't know why we call it a pond. It is definitely (laughs) not pond. That's not what we call ponds where I come from. Let me just say that way. You swim in the lake easily. And so... (laughs) Yeah. Um, but basically, the, they, they, the story kind of juxtaposes the way this very prominent businessman and also this nature lover interact with the pond. And you learn all kinds of things about ice and the history of, um, you know, there was a time when we didn't have ice to like put in ice cubes in a drink or whatever. At the very end of the book, you'll see um, they sent it to, now I'm trying to remember where it was exactly that it ended up. Calcutta. That was some of the first ice they've ah. ever had in Calcutta that came from Walden Pond. Um, oh. Anyway, it's got lots of what I one thing I love about picture book biographies is that they're like the epitome of a book that you can read with all ages because your four year old is riveted by a wonderful picture book that has great illustrations. But the back matter is just yeah. full of really good research rabbit trail launching points for your older yes. kids and teens. So I feel like I come away learning so much. So this is a great one that kind of combines history, sort of like what you were saying before. It's never just about one theme. A picture book's never just about nature study. You've also got storytelling and story structure in there. This, In this case, you have history and geography in there, which is really how all of our lives are. This is sort of the beauty of homeschooling. A hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, I think that books and nature study are two of the easiest things to make all of those mini connections. Yes, I, I, yes. Your experience over all these years, those two things are almost seamless with just, yeah, we tie it into geography or we tie it into math and doesn't have any problem at all making that connection. Yeah. So yeah. I love what you said about biographies. Well, P.S., we did a class on... Henry David Thoreau and Walden oh. Pond. And I never knew that book existed. So now I have to go back and update the book list yes. on that. Fantastic. It might not have been out when you did your class because it's, it it's fairly new. Been. Yeah, It may not have been. Um, okay. So speaking of biographies, this one is a little less biography-like um, as compared to what it sounds like in that book. Just trying to think if it's got anything in the end. Oh, remember. you know, sure does. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, we have some wildflower, <laughs> we have some wildflower identification yeah. in there. So this is a biography on Lady Bird Johnson and her her push to get wildflowers along the interstates to beautify all these new roads that were being built at the time. So this is a fabulous book that clearly makes a very easy transition into studying wildflowers or any kind of flower. You don't necessarily have to find wild ones. You can find some that might be growing in a pot on your porch, Um, but it helps you really 
get excited about the idea of looking at a flower closely. How is it colored? What's going on with its petals? Who is pollinating? So there are all kinds of jumping off points for a book like this. And again, I love the biographies because what we just found in here is the same as in what your book that you shared. There are extra ideas for you to use. Okay, so this one was called Miss Ladybird's Flowers by Kathy Appelt. Okay, your turn. Okay, I've got one more picture book biography. Great. Because, you know, that's what we're, uh, they're so, the connections here are so rich. This one is also fairly new. It's called Ansi Ansel, Ansel Adams, A Life in Nature, which is about the photographer, Ansel Adams. And the thing I really love about this picture book biography in particular is that I think it will inspire your kids to try their hand at nature photography. Okay. Um, yes, there's th- this particular spread. Um, I think w- one of the things I love so much about a well-told biography is it doesn't just give our kids h- history. It also inspires them to see themselves as a part of history. Yeah. And I think because picture book biographies often focus on the childhood of, uh, not always, in the case of, of Walden Pond, it's not focusing on the child of Henry David Thoreau or Frederick Tudor at all. But in this case, it really focuses on where Ansel Adams's love of photography came from. And wow. then your kids will get inspired to do some photography themselves. And I'm going to look and see what's in the back of this one because I can't remember. <laughs> yep, there are some real photographs by Ansel Adams and of him and then more resources for your older older kids oh, and students. So that I could be, that. this could be a launching point for all kinds of great close looking, which is what we do with nature study, right? We learn to look closely. Yeah. So our conversation has a problem as far as my husband is concerned, because now I'm putting at least two new books in my Amazon cards. (laughs) (laughs) One that is not necessarily a biography, but kind of sort of is a story about someone that could easily be a biography of an actual person is Rocks in His Head by Carol Otis Hurst. I've never seen this. Oh, it's so cute. It's just a story of a man who has always loved to collect rocks. And he actually went into a um, uh, an occupation that allowed him to do some of that as well. I found that this book is so loved by kids who already like to collect rocks. They like to identify rocks. It's a great little book for them. But it's also a good book if you want kiddos to get excited about the idea of boring old rocks and to notice that they are cool and different. Um, it's also for those kiddos who love just nature collections in general, this will really build them up that it's okay to do that and to make some collect connect collections that will um that are treasured for them, you know, yeah. that that it's meaningful that they that they love to collect things. So another good one. Do you have another book to I share? Don't, I, oh yes, I have one more to share. I was gonna one say more. I don't okay. have that one. I've never seen it, but I just jotted it down so I can I have it after we're done. <laughs> I have one more to share. This okay. one, um I wanted to share, and some you might recognize this one, Rocks of Oxen by uh, Alice McLaren, illustrated by my favorite, all-time favorite, Barbara Cooney. Um, and it, you might recognize it because it's an older book. But there are lots of nature connections. It's set in, I think it's either New Mexico or Arizona. It's set in a desert mm-hmm. where you might actually feel like there isn't as much nature as we might think of when we're thinking of like, the lush greenery of like, you know, some of these other places like Boston, other these other places that you sort of think of, oh, trees and all the growing things. And in the desert, we might not think that as much. 
but it's really um, not about nature at all. It just makes you want to get out in it. Yeah. So when you read this book, it's just a story about kids who have this whole make-believe store and world using rocks and twigs and um, your kids will not be able to help themselves after you, if you just read this book and never give them the idea at all, you may find them outside, um, creating their own outside make-believe world and really getting exactly. close to nature. And I love that because my kids have not always been the kind of kids who are super, I know I've heard of people who are like, I just have a hard time getting my kids to come back in from outside. And that's not always been my experience. Sometimes right. I have to convince mine to stay outside for longer. <laughs> and so books like this can kind of help with that if you've got kids who you need to be like, you know, get outdoors, go, go, get go. Outdoors. Well, and that make, brings another important point that you guys, nature study can be play. Mm. They are learning so yeah. much about nature when they just get outside and play with a rock or play with a stick. Um, and that I think I wrote a post many moons ago because I had very, very active boys. And I always got the question, how do we do this with kiddos who are active and they would rather climb a tree or jump off a tall boulder or something. And I'm like, let them do that because there is so much that you're learning about the strength of a tree and mm -hmm. the texture of a tree and what's tree bark like? How, why is this one slick? And I can't climb up it as easily as I can with this one that's not slick, for instance. So, you know, just the tactile experience teaches yeah. a lot. Call it experiential learning. Yeah. Okay. So I have um, just two more along. I'm, I'm going to just hold them both up at once because okay. neither one of these, by the way, Miss Sarah and I did a class together about this book. It's called The Hundred Year Barn by Patricia McLachlan. It's a newer book. Um, it's not necessarily about nature study, nor is Higgins Ben's Song and Dance by Jacqueline Martin. They're just fun books. This one about a farm, as you can imagine, actually about a barn over a hundred years time, but it's got such inspiration points. If you are going to take a, maybe a nature walk at someone's farm, this is a great jumping off point for that. This one is a, just a funny story about a man who tries to catch fish with his stinky socks, has nothing to do with nature study. And yet it's such a fun, fun way to introduce the idea of we're going to learn about fish together. And P.S., we also did a class together about fish. Do you remember that class about salmon that yes. we did? Yes, yeah. we did. Yes, so, and it was sort of tied into the year of Miss Agnes. Yes, it was, which is another fantastic book, chapter book, that could make a connection into nature study. Don't forget chapter books. Um Okay, so you can find those classes, by the way, in either one of our memberships. So the Read Aloud Revival Premium or the No Sweat Nature Study Live, both of those memberships have all these recordings that we keep talking about um, that your family can watch. Let me mention one more thing before we shut this down for the day. Yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot about living picture books. The things that really grab attention, they're more story-like. Well, you can actually find some that are nonfiction. Um, the biographies kind of tend toward that, but I feel like the biographies that we've mentioned so far are still very story-like. Yes. Um, don't, Ducks Don't Get Wet by Augusta Golden. This is kind of an old book. I think it's still in print. And then Seashells, More Than a Home by Melissa Stewart. One. Oh, it's so precious. Yeah. Um, these are 
they have a storyline to them, but they're way more nonfiction-y than, say, your Usborne or DK kind of books. Um, I have an example of one of those. This is a National Geographic book. Um, you know the ones I'm talking about that are way more just strictly informational. Yeah. So seashells, more than a home, and ducks don't get wet. Those are books that are still in somewhat of a story form, but they're very much um, less of a story and more about the facts. Those also make great connections. So don't leave those kinds of books out. Um, but Sarah and I really wanted to focus in on living literature, like her brand new book that I know all of you guys are going to go get a little more beautiful when it comes out. So let's finish with that, Sarah. Um, can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about when, where, and how we can get our hands on that book soon. Yes, absolutely. It can be pre-ordered now at waxwingbooks.com. It's shipping this spring. Very excited about it. We actually, Waxwing Books is our new publishing imprint at Read Lot Revival. So this is the first of many. We have four or five at this point that are in different parts of the funnel. I cannot wait to show you all illustrations from our second book that's very close to being ready too. So and that one has a lot of nature connections, too, with moonflowers. So flowers. Well, then we will be back together, won't we? Yeah, we'll For have sure. to. <laughs> we will have to. We're so actually... All the information about uh, those books as they're coming and where you can pre-order them is at waxwingbooks.com. Waxwingbooks.com. And I was so excited. I forgot to even mention the fact that you now own a publishing house. So how <laughs> exciting is that? I cannot wait to see what comes out. We have a class, I don't know, this coming fall on night blooming flowers. So oh. I need you to get your moonflower book done quickly. Okay. okay? <laughs> okay. <Got it> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been so much fun chatting with you. Thanks for doing this. I think it's going to be a benefit to every one of us who love books and love nature study or don't and want to find easy ways to make that more enjoyable. So Miss Sarah McKenzie, thank you for being here. I thank am Cindy West and we will be back together doing things together soon. So join us in either one of our memberships, Read Aloud Revival Premium or No Sweat Nature Study Live. And we both actually hope to see you guys a lot soon. Ah, I hope you're inspired. Now, let's hear from the kids about what they're reading and loving lately. My name is Holly. I am eight years old, and I live in Richmond, Texas, and I like Meg McIntosh because she solves mysteries. Hi, my name is Willow. I live in Richmond, Texas. My favorite book is Rama Rama Rabbit Jamma Tessie Shouts Out to Mama. My name is Josiah. I live in Lee Summit, Missouri, and I am 10. My favorite book is The Wing Feather Saga. My favorite part is when Calmore and Janner go into Ankle Jelly Manor. My name is Ilsa. I live in Maryland. And friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I love Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. One of the reasons why I love it so much is because I had a great English teacher who helped me to understand it and also made it a lot of fun. I recommend the Henry Huggins series to anybody who likes Beverly Cleary. I live in Maryland and my name is Henry. Um, my favorite book is Curious George and 
um, when he takes a job. My favorite part of it is when the sleeping gas part of it, when the doctor said, um, don't touch anything. When he 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 touched, he he breathed into the sleeping gas. That's my favorite part. My name is Polly. He. Anna Mitchell, and um, where I live is Maryland. Hi, my name is Elias. I live in Missouri. Live in Missouri. I'm six, and I like Chronicles of Narnia, Chronicles and, of Narnia, and snow horses. And snow horses. Why did you? Why do you like Chronicles of Narnia? Why do you like listening? Because they're nice, and I like watching them. And like, because there's, there's a movie to do with it too. And there are some people. What are alive and some people are dead. Kind of like you don't know when you have to read the next book. Why do you like snow horses? Because there's snow and, and I and I like winter and winter is my favorite thing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, kids. And thank you for listening through to the end. Remember, you can grab your nature study and activity book list. It might be one of the best book lists we've made around here. And that's kind of saying something, right? Because book lists are sort of our thing. (laughs) You can grab that book list in the show notes, readaloudrevival.com slash 224, or by texting the word nature to the number 33777. That book list can serve as your science curriculum for kids under 12. And then there are fabulous recommendations in there all the way up for kids through 18. So really grab it, truly. I mean, no matter how old your kids are, how many you've got, grab that book list. Don't miss it. And if you want to hear more on how we built that book list and how to use it, go back and listen to episode 222, just a couple of episodes back. 222, Kara and Courtney from the Read Aloud Revival team joined me on the show to talk about making the book list, how we picked the books, which books we love, a couple we're most excited about, and how to use it as your science curriculum or as a way to enhance your children's love of nature and their observations about the world. Okay, well, you know the drill. (laughs) We'll be back here in two weeks here on the show. In the meantime, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. So many of us feel overwhelmed in our homeschool. There's a lot to do, and it feels like every child needs something a little different. The good news is, you are the best person on the planet to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. I'm Sarah McKenzie. I'm a homeschooling mother of six, the author of Teaching from Rest and the Read Aloud Family. And I'm the host here on the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This podcast has been downloaded over 8 million times. And you know, I think it's because so many of us want the same things. We want our kids to be readers, to love reading. We want our homes to be warm and happy havens of learning and connection. We know that raising our kids is the most important work of our lives. That's kind of overwhelming, right? You are not alone. In Read Aloud Revival Premium, we offer family book clubs, a vibrant community, 
And Circle with Sarah, coaching for you, the homeschooling mom, so you can teach from rest, homeschool with confidence, and raise kids who love to read. Our family book clubs are a game changer for your kids' relationship with books. We provide you with a family book club guide and an opportunity for your kids to meet the author or illustrator live on screen. So all you have to do is get the book, read it with your kids, and make those meaningful and lasting connections. They work for all ages, from your youngest kids to your teens. Every month, our community also gathers online for a circle with Sarah to get ideas and encouragement around creating the homeschooling life you crave. They're the most effective way I know to teach from rest and build a homeschool life you love. We want to help your kids fall in love with books, and we want to help you fall in love with homeschooling. Join us today at rarpremium.com.